Do you think UFC's football team is ready for the football season to finally start? You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you want to download your podcast, we are free. I appreciate you and your support. Do me a favor. Show your appreciation. It means a lot. It means a lot. If you're watching on YouTube, become a subscriber. It's easy. It's free. Just click the red subscribe button. When you see that thumbs up, I want you to touch it. I want you to make it change colors. And then I want you to touch that bell notification button so you won't miss one episode of Locked on USC. We come at you at least five times a week, Monday through Friday. These uh, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com forward slash locked on college. Terms and conditions will apply. All right, so check out today's rundown. We're going to talk about the offensive takeaways in the first segment, the defensive their need to uh, maybe step up quicker during the game. And then we'll get into the game uh, MVPs in the third segment. So was that win on the road? Was that USC's wake-up call? Are they ready to start the season now? Is that what they were waiting for? Because I'll tell you what, I could have sworn that USC, the college football season started four-plus weeks ago. And in USC's case, that was against San Jose State. Apparently, this team felt otherwise. <clears throat> uh, because if, if the Trojans play on the road next Saturday in Boulder, Colorado, the same way they played on the road this past Saturday in Tempe, Arizona, they're probably going to be 4-1 and one when they come back to Los Angeles. If you saw my uh, late night, early morning Quick recap, instant reaction to yesterday's, well, to this weekend's game against Arizona State, USC's 42-28 to win. I probably noticed that uh, I had a little bit of passion, a little bit of emotion behind that. Well, had a chance to get some sleep, sat back, thought about it. I'm going to give you a little bit more of a uh, reserved take on USC's win over uh, the Arizona State Storm Devils. I'm, here's what I'm thinking. <clears throat> I'm thinking Ralphie and Coach Primetime, they might have taken their 49 to 6 beating personally up there in Eugene. They found out what it's like to go on the road into a hostile environment and not be prepared to play. USC hasn't lost yet, but sometimes ugly wins feel like a loss, especially when you're, uh, when you're, when you're compared to other teams that are battling for a playoff spot. Don't forget, there's only four spots available this season. It doesn't turn into 12 teams until the 2024 season. There were some good things to take away from USC's 42-28 to victory, uh, but it was still unsatisfying. Despite the offense playing with itself or against itself, depending on how you want to view that. 
uh, they still put up 42 points on the road. But it took them a lot longer than it should. And uh, it should have been, they should have been able to put up 535 yards a lot easier than they did. And most of their challenges on offense had nothing to do with ASU's effort on defense. They gave their best effort, but USC was their own worst enemy on offense. We'll get to the defense in the second segment. I think sometimes USC gets complacent because they know they have so much talent on that offensive side of the roster. I think they know that they can get away with playing unfocused um, at times, like Caleb Williams taking his time, getting the playoff before the play clock is going to expire or they have to call a timeout. That was happening frequently. It's almost like Caleb was uncomfortable in that game. The offensive talent is so good. I mean, they they literally, they can commit multiple penalties, like 10 times. Well, I don't think the offense had 10 penalties. They had at least seven. Um, and they also had two turnovers. Well, two fumbles. They only lost one, fortunately. And they were also dealing with poor play calling. And some of that happened inside the red zone. Against ASU, they can get away with that. But let's be honest. If it wasn't for USC's running game, then Caleb Williams, who who actually ended up you know, playing the whole game, uh, his stats probably would have been lost in the trees. You know how that whole thing, you can't see the forest for the trees? Well, Caleb Williams, he finished the night, 20 completions on 31 attempts, 65 completions. 65% completion rate, 322 yards, and three touchdowns through the air. No interceptions. Uh, I mean, the efficiency rate was 183.7. It just it didn't feel like it, though, right? We all watched the game together. I mean, when the offensive line wasn't, you know, moving early with illegal procedure penalties, they were opening up running lanes for the running backs to gain 213 yards. Over 180 of that came between Marshawn Lloyd and Austin Jones. You might remember uh, on one of my episodes on Locked on USC last week, I said it would be a good performance by USC's offense if they were able to put up over 200 yards on the ground. They could have put up over 300 yards and they probably should have with better play calling. Uh, especially when you have guys dropping passes or, you know, if they're taking touchdowns off the scoreboard. Um, you know, maybe it's time to take the original game plan and say, you know what? Let's just do what's working. The wide receivers are still pretty good. Don't get me wrong. But if the home team statistically wins 70% of the time, like Lincoln Royley pointed out after the game, then, again, wouldn't it be prudent if you're playing on the road to do what you're doing well and not try and force other things? I'm going to go over more of that on tomorrow's episode of Locked on USC when I give out grades across the board, offense, defense, special teams, coaching. But is there a concern on offense? Well, they've yet to put together two good halves on offense in any one game. 
And now they're getting ready to play better offenses going forward for the rest of the season. Here's what I am concerned about. I'm more concerned with Justin Dedick telling me after the game, as he's walking off the field, that he was just trying to, and he had a smile on his face. I know he was trying to be sarcastic, trying to, you know, not make it seem as big of a deal as it was. But he, he said, you know, I was just trying to wake Superman up um, when he was, you know, being called for those false starts. And then, you know, he compounded that with a snap to uh, where he put the ball where two already occupied a space on Caleb's body. You watched Caleb on the ground, writhing in pain. Men, you know what I'm talking about. I get that USC has the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. And they have more skill position players than any one team should legally have. But on Thursday, going into, you know, leading into this past weekend's game, I literally asked Lincoln Riley during our Thursday Zoom meeting about, you know, sending a message when you're playing a team that you know that you're better than, better than. And especially when you're a 30 point, 34 point favorite going into the game. Coach Riley didn't really think it was all that important. I got news for you. The AP voters felt differently because USC just dropped a few spots in the AP poll despite scoring 42 points on the road. I would love for USC to send this type of message next week when they're playing the Colorado Buffalo on the road in Colorado. Because Primetime's team is in they what they've shown so far throughout the year. Even in their close wins and in their most recent beatdown is they can't stop the run. So I understand Lincoln Riley, he has got, you know, he's going to have that temptation wanting Caleb Williams to look better than Shadour Sanders because of the whole Heisman competition shadow that's looming. But I would rather see Coach Riley call 50 run plays and have the Trojans leave Boulder winning 28 to 0 while running the ball for over 400 yards. In fact, I'd even accept a 42 to 21 victory with the same type of play calling. What I do not want to see in Colorado is Caleb Williams lining up under center at the one or two yard line and then run, running a play action pass in the end zone that fails. Because that kind of play calling doesn't send a message of being physical. It says you're playing for, I don't know, Twitter clicks instead of playing for a championship. Because these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business and a possible championship. So you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster, and they do it for free. And as easy as it is to use LinkedIn to find a job, it's also just as easy to create a free job posting on LinkedIn Jobs. Once you add your job listing, you then add your job and your purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile, and that's going to spread the word. LinkedIn provides you simple tools like screening questions, and that alone is going to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experiences so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview 
and more importantly, hire. Recruiting the right person for your team means a better product. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com forward slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com forward slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions will apply. The college football season is here and Locked On is kicking up our coverage. Each Friday, every Friday, Locked On will go live from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every single Locked On College YouTube channel. Locked On College Football Live will cover the college football playoff implications, the conference rivalry games, and they're also going to go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable of Locked On College hosts covering their team every day. Find Locked On College Football Live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on any college YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. Pardon me. <coughs> Defensively, uh, there was a lot of undisciplined, this is a family show, crapola that was going on in that game versus Arizona State. But, yeah, USC has a new and improved defensive line, and they needed to get pressure. And when they needed to, they actually got pressure. But there was some flashbacks watching this game that was just atrocious. It, it kind of reminded you of 2022. The tackling. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, the defense, well, by the end of the fourth quarter, the defense had seven sacks in the fourth quarter. They finished the game with eight. They also had 14 tackles for loss over the course of the game. Those are good numbers. You can actually notice how much bigger, faster, stronger USC's defensive front is compared to a year ago. But you can still see the same scheme and the same mistakes and some poor tackling showing up this year. So we've got to start asking the question, what's going on? And, you know, when was the defense going to start stepping up quicker and not waiting till the end of the game? Let me give you an example of what USC's defense did at the end of the game when they were needed. During Arizona State's final five offensive drives, USC's defense actually looked like a championship defense. Unfortunately, most of the folks who make those judgments, uh, they were probably already asleep on the East Coast. Remember, this was a 7.30 p.m. kickoff on the West Coast. Okay, so USC's defense had five drives in the fourth quarter. Four of them, they looked great. I mean, fantastic. They had an interception on one. They had a sack that forced a punt on another. They had back-to-back -back sacks on another drive, the second of which caused a turnover and a recovery. And then they had a drive that actually had four sacks and ended, the, ended um, Arizona State's drive on downs. 
So where in the Sun Devil's hell was that effort for the entire game? Just when you think the you know the whole Alex fire the whole Alex Grinch fire fan club was settling in and and hoping for an acceptable level of defense after USC's last two games. Someone comes along that you've never heard of before and he's breaking a tackle and then he's breaking another tackle. And then that dude, his name is Bo Scadabo, Scadaboo. He ends up looking like the second combo, second coming of Earl Campbell. USC's tackling was reverting back to its 2022 self. And I don't know why, because they went out and we thought they had addressed this issue during the offseason through the transfer portal. USC now has two linebackers that wear the letter C on their chest for a captain. One of them never saw the field, Shane Lee. And look, Mason Cobb, who earned his captainship this season, he's going to have to do better than one tackle during the course of a game. I understand that he was coming back from injury. He's missed the last two games. But as a middle linebacker, you literally can just kind of fall into the fray and get credit for a tackle. Somehow or another, he missed the fray. He was all Big 12, you know, he was an all Big 12 conference selection. USC is counting on him to walk the talk. We, I think everything Mason has said so far sounds great. I need to see some action backing it up. If you're going to wear that C, it also comes with some constructive criticism. And, I mean, even Eric Gentry had nine tackles for the game. But, you know, the one I think, well, the one I'm going to remember is the one he missed near the sideline. That, can, that helped contribute to Arizona State's 28 points. That's what I'm going to remember most. I'm not going to remember his other nine tackles. I should, but you know what? It, you can't have that kind of effort that's going to keep the opposition in the football game. And why are Rajon Davis and Shane Lee watching from the sideline all game? I don't get it. Taka Curtis, he got better the longer the game went. He had seven tackles, and he had those two fourth-quarter sacks. The secondary, they, they struggled all game, um, and especially with their tackling. They're still being put out there in that one-on-one -on -one coverage. That's the scheme. Now, it wasn't all doom and gloom in the secondary. Kalen Bullock, he had that timely interception that I mentioned a little few moments ago. And he was actually close to having a second one. But again, we, we see the secondary being left on an island. And they're being put in a position that they're not ready to do. You know, they're just not ready to perform. I, I don't know what else to say. I'm not sure what else Alex Grinch can say. This is the scheme. This is the way they choose to play. We're not seeing any different results. I mean, we're seeing big plays through the air again. This time, they're being tested by the Wildcat quarterback, as well as trick plays. So it's going to—it's making their job even more difficult. Next week, the defense is going up against a Colorado team that was literally just 
offensively castrated by Oregon. I mean, 49 to 3, 49 to 6, whatever the final score was. Here's what I learned. The Buffalo's offensive line, well, I already knew it, but it was proven. Going up against a good team on the road, their offensive line is terrible. In fact, it's probably worse than Arizona State's offensive line that was playing with four backups. If Alex Grinch wants to look as smart as he sounds when he talks, then he needs to make sure his guys on defense do exactly, precisely what the Oregon Ducks defense did to Colorado's offensive line. And that was to beat them up like villains and treat them like a bully treats somebody who's small and can't defend themselves. You, What you do if you're USC's defensive line or their defense in general is you're going to go into Colorado and you're going to take their lunch money and you're going to make Shadur Sanders' life miserable playing quarterback. He has shown he does not handle duress well. He will throw the ball all over the place. We Look, we know playing on the road is, is always going to be a difficult proposition, even more so for the defense. But I will, and here's, here's this might shock you, but it's not going to shock me if the Trojans defense actually looks good next weekend in Colorado. One, because Colorado cannot run the ball. And two, because they're having a really difficult time protecting their quarterback. Then again, we are talking about Lincoln Riley's team that's coached on the defensive side of the ball by Alex Grinch. So no, who knows what to expect, right? What we know is they have played on the road and they're not going to be able to use that excuse next week. It won't be valid anymore if they have a similar type of performance. It's now time for your Game Change of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Trojans running back Marshawn Lloyd is changing the way USC's opponents have to game plan for USC's offense. The same way Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. His name is Marshawn Lloyd, and against Arizona State, USC's running back averaged, well, he carried the ball 11 times for 154 yards, and that's averaging 11 yards per carry. That will get it done. And he could have done a lot more if he had carried the ball even more. And because Athletic Brewing's brews are non-alcoholic, you can enjoy even more of them as well. So before, during, or after the game, Athletic Brewing makes non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you, or you can buy them online at athleticbrewing.com. If you're a first-time customer, you can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. All right, before we get out of here for this episode of Locked on USC, in this third segment, I want to give you my three players for the for the game who were USC's MVP following their win over Arizona State. And I actually got some honorable mentions as well. Honorable mention number one is going to go to Caleb Williams. 
he did put up 322 yards. He also threw for three touchdowns, and he didn't have any interceptions. But he didn't look sharp. He had that that uh, that fumble exchange with Marshawn Lloyd. And he also took a bad sack, putting the ball on the ground deep in his own territory. Just didn't look comfortable. Like I said, Caleb is, even when he looks bad, he still plays well. That's how good he is. However, I just got done talking about running back Marshawn Lloyd and his 154 yards on the ground. This was a game that Lloyd could have put up 200 yards on the ground by himself if he was given more opportunity, even more than that. Maybe he probably could have, he probably could have pushed for Ricky Bell's 342 yards. That happened a long time ago in Spokane, Washington, against the Washington State Cougars. And even Austin Jones, who only touched the ball three times, he averaged 12 yards per attempt running. So while Lloyd did nothing spectacular, he did have a long run of 43 yards. I mentioned the uh, you know the the mistake with Caleb at the mesh point. But he was also USC's most consistent guy on offense. He kept drives going. And the more times he had the ball, USC's offense actually looked better when he was touching it. On the defensive side, Bill Alexander, he's he's making his, his presence felt. And he has been more than worth the hype since he's arrived. He's getting into the backfield consistently now. He's creating pressure, and he's sacking the quarterback. In this game against ASU, one sack. He got credit for one and a half TFLs, as well as a quarterback hurry. He even got a fandom roughing the passer penalty. I went back and watched that a few times. No yellow flag should have been thrown. Face was up, face mask, and it was almost a shoulder hit the guy's, hit the, hit the quarterback's face. It was a clean play. My honorable mention, it's going to go to Romello Height. Got to give it to him. In fact, I, I was this close to giving him the defensive game MVP. He had two sacks, five tackles, and literally one perfectly executed crane maneuver, uh, celebration maneuver, that probably would have made the Karate Kids Daniel, LaRu the Karate Kids Daniel LaRusso very jealous. He, he executed that maneuver perfectly. Eric Gentry said after the game that uh, he deserves an assist. He taught him that move. And I'm going to give an, not an honorable mention, but I'm going to give an attaboy to Tackett Curtis, who took the fourth quarter on himself. He got a couple of sacks, and he was that defensive spark that they needed. Moving over to special teams. Typically, the special teams MVP award, that's going to go to a return specialist, and typically it's going to go to Zachariah Branch. He played like a freshman on the road. There was nothing special about what Zachariah Branch did against Arizona State. Nothing. And that's okay. He'll learn, use this as a learning experience. However, um, what Zachariah Branch was doing, he was learning how that fine line between playing aggressive and playing smart. I, hopefully he learned that lesson. There's a time to be aggressive and there's a time to be smart. 
he wasn't able to put those two those two things together on the road. There is no fine line when you're kicking field goals and extra points. It's pretty straightforward. They better be. They're either good or they're not. You make them, your teammates love you. You miss them, and you're probably going to end up feeling like Clemson's kicker in that overtime loss to Florida State over the weekend. I feel so bad for that young man. Man, if you don't know the story, real quick, he had pretty much given up football. He was getting ready to go to work in New York. Dabo Sweeney, Dabo Sweeney gave him a call and said, hey, come try out for kicker one more time. He was perfect up until late in the game. He missed a 30-yard chippy field goal that probably would have sealed the game. They ended up losing an overtime to Florida State. As far as Dennis Lynch is concerned, it might not have been the prettiest kick. However, his 53-yard 53 53-yard 53 field goal was straight, and it was good. And he even followed that up with a 36-yard field goal later in the third quarter. And that kept him perfect for the season, including his extra points. Oh, by the way, Dennis was responsible for all six of USC's points in the third quarter. Yeah. And when kickoff specialist uh, Eddie Gopliski was struggling keeping his kicks straight and not going out of bound, his two punts were great. They were beautiful. They averaged 45 yards per kick. He struggled with his kickoff. So Dennis Lynch came in and he was getting the ball either to the goal line or kicking him through the end zone for touchbacks. Now I'm interested to see if next week at Colorado at altitude, if Lincoln Riley will uh, test Lynch's leg strength even more. Because I don't think anybody was anticipating long field goal attempts this season. I know I wasn't. I know this episode of Locked on USC is done. It's in the books. But I'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. That's what we do five times a week. I'm going to have some grades to give out. We're going we're gonna to put the Arizona State game to bed. But first, give out some grades, offense, defense, special teams, as well as coaching. And then we'll move forward on to Colorado. So until then, everyone, you know what to do.